but I will say uh, I spent a little bit of time in Fort Worth. Uh, by the way, I'm Dan. Uh, good to meet you. <laughs> hey. But uh, uh, I spent a lot. I spent a lot of time in a or a little bit of time in Fort Worth, and um, I interacted with a lot of Texas Tech fans, a lot of TCU fans, a lot of Texas A&M fans. Um, Texas Tech fans are like truly some of the most unhinged uh, people on or like fan bases on the internet. Like it just they they really. It's, it's like Michigan State, but if Michigan State, instead of being like the second best program in the state, was like the fifth, and also <laughs> like that state was way behind more insane SMU. about football. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure <laughs> behind SMU. Come on. Like, well, that's like, like I, I have a theory about this that like there's a special kind of college football crazy that is for Southern fan bases that have zero history. Like South Carolina's fans are completely unhinged and they have absolutely no history. And Texas Tech is in the same category. Yeah, it's a little bit like Texas A&M where there's just like or even even Ole Miss. Ole Miss has had some some decent seasons, you know, but it's like a history of history or a tradition of tradition is kind of how we make Texas A&M. It's like, what are you guys so what are you so proud about right now? I don't understand that at all. So, oh, that's so funny. um, Yeah, it's it's all just it's all just like them wearing. uh, It's all about just dressing up. It's like, well, we've been dressing up for 100 years and that's it. (laughs) It's debutante. It's debutante balls, but for college football. And a lot of those people are. um addicted to the off-field drama and not the on-field um you know the 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 actual game yeah and it's important to it's important to note that like none of us would ever be addicted to off-field <laughs> drama in any kind of way definitely no. definitely didn't spend the entirety of a 13 and 0 season just debating like who started a fight with who for like an entire oh you know gosh. three months <laughs> we're legal scholars now yeah we got yeah. our jds yeah, we all know who we all knew who the Washtenaw County DA is now. It's it's awesome. Um, uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll start. I can uh, I can I can be the host here in lieu of Ace. But um, is welcome to the Bucket Problem episode seventy. Um, we have a very special guest, uh, noted. Twitter nerd, I would say, is is would be the official uh, uh, Parker Fleming, aka Stats of War on Twitter. Um, a great follow. Does a lot of the uh, a lot of the stuff that you can either. I would say usually every like Sunday morning, what I do is I either I look at his tweets to either um, get like super mad at them because you know he says that Michigan shouldn't have won a game or like you know they have like forty six percent win probability against Illinois or something, and I you know I quote tweet him to say how like. Oh, it's just doesn't really take into account X, Y, Z. Or if your team lost, which, you know, Michigan hasn't yet this year, you can use his stats to justify why they really should have won. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, Parker, welcome. And uh, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to glad to be here. And um, yeah, that that's Sunday morning. Uh, the the did we get beat that bad is the is the segment I do just the net success rates. And man, that brings out the. Uh, the best and the worst in people for sure. Uh, depending yeah. on whether their team won or lost. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I would also like to note very quickly, uh, Dan, I don't know if you introduced yourself, but that's Dan. Uh, I'm Taylor. Uh, well, I don't know if you introduced yourself like on the show, but, um, anyway, um, I was just going to very quickly say, uh, Parker Fleming is not Parker Fleming, who is the OSU, uh, special teams coach. Um, I know we have some big 10 listeners, uh, and I just want to point that out. Um, very, uh, pleasant coincidence. So, Parker, if you do see people um, saying mean things about someone else named Parker Fleming and it's Big Ten people, it's probably not you. So if that makes you feel more comfortable. Um, but your your at is Stats of War on Twitter. Um, 
you're also on, you, there's a reason you're here as well. Um, you're on the Purple Theory podcast. You're a TCU fan alum, I believe. Uh, alum, yeah. yes. Awesome. Yes. Well, we're glad to have you. And uh, yeah, there's there's a reason you're here because uh, we are talking about, we are talking about a thing that's happening on Saturday. Dan, take it away. I'm a yeah, bad absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess I guess the first thing that I I'd want to talk about I, I guess we can kind of go through like TCU defense versus Michigan offense. Uh, Michigan we're offense supposed to be big moves, Dan. We're supposed to. I be know. Big I know. But we're, we're trying to keep this to a crisp, crisp sixty. So I don't know. We can do big oh moves if we want to. <laughs> wow, I can't even make um, my joke. Jeez, we didn't even cool. say Connor was here. That's yeah. true. Connor is. I'm here. really being Connor's. abused today. <laughs> uh, Parker, I'm sorry. This is usually, I know like every podcast does this, but it's like, oh, we're off the rails or whatever. Um, but this is, this is really more off the rails than we normally are. Uh, Connor, what's your big mood? Uh, first of all, they call me the TCU Horned Frogs because I'm just happy to be here. Um, but <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually do have a nice thing to say about TCU though, which is that uh, Max Duggan is the best quarterback Michigan has played this year. I think by far, and I'm not at all joking about that. And I will let those listening at home decide to what extent that's just me insulting CJ Stroud, but it is my sincere take. Uh, yeah, no, I I fully agree. I mean, you know, he might not have the arm talent of CJ Stroud, but he absolutely has far more of that dog in him, um, which I believe is a stat that that Parker tracks on his, his spreadsheets. Um, Taylor, what is your big mood? Mine is that I've been stuck in my house for the past week because of a snowstorm. Um, and I missed Christmas with my family because of that snowstorm. Um, I'm very excited to escape all of my problems with football. Um, and I also think that Michigan has the better playoff time slot because I don't care about um, a playoff game at like eight o'clock on New Year's Eve. Like I, I sincerely don't. I will be out with my friends. Um, so I'm really glad that I don't have to like pace around a bar like in a sparkly shirt, like like a maniac just being like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Um I get to have a nice time like a normal person with my friends. Unless uh, Michigan so, loses, in which case you'll just be miserable. I'm I sure. will be, you get miserable. To be Instead, you get to be a good Big Ten football fan, which is sitting there huddling into a hoodie surrounded by vast piles of snow. Uh, and pouting. At the play calling. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, Taylor, you said you're not going to be watching the game, but. I know for me, as as a fan of the Big Ten Conference, I'll be rooting for Ohio State. Um, you know, as I refer, I refer to the Big Ten in all bowl games. I'm I'm that kind of fan, the most annoying kind of person on Twitter. Um, I guess my big mood uh, is that um, my uh, in in my real life job, um, someone asked me to do something this week, and that should be illegal. Um, I don't think that you should be able to do that the week after Christmas. Everyone knows it's a fake week of work. Um, I made the mistake of not actually taking using my PTO on this week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's appropriate to be asking me to, to complete tasks, uh, the week after, uh, Christmas and before New Year's, um, should be against the Geneva conventions. Uh, but anyway, um, now moving on to the actual, uh, the actual game analysis, um, Parker, uh, I think, I think we probably want to start with which I, what I think is the more interesting matchup here, um, Michigan's offense versus TCU's defense. Um, I think that. You know, I think both teams weirdly are going to see something they haven't really seen all year. Um, Parker, I don't know if you could give us kind of a quick rundown of TCU's, you know, unique three three five that they run. Yeah, so they they've definitely made a huge switch. Probably one of the starker switches in college football, moving away from um, Gary Patterson's kind of pattern matching and half of the field defense. 
um, uh, to a to a three three five stack that that Gillespie affectionately calls the spill and kill. Um, and so the big the big switch there is one if you're familiar with TCU at all you've you've probably seen or heard a meme about Gary Patterson the the former coach being sweaty on the sidelines, um, and uh, that is that is a joke one it's hot in Texas people sweat that's okay two um, the man literally called out all eleven assignments every play every game. Um, and so it was very much a, I have the mind, I can put you in the right position. You make the plays. If something goes wrong, it's because you didn't make the play, which works for a certain type of athlete. But I think a lot of people that were on TCU's, um, defense this year are thriving a lot better in a, uh, a more if then kind of defense. So Gillespie's defense is if this happens, then you react. And so it gives them a little bit more of like an athletic leash on defense. The whole, the whole point is that in the run game, particularly, um, every man is going to try and clog up a gap. They're going to try and push the run game outside, not let you beat them up the middle. And the safeties, you're going to hear names. I'm sure we'll get in specifics like Abe Kamara, Mark Perry, D. Winters, a linebacker, are going to make those tackles on the edge there. And they really want to funnel that run game outside. And when TCU um, gives up big plays on the inside, it's because they've doubled up to a gap and left a gap open. It's because they've they've gotten pushed and the, the defense crumbles from the inside out. So um, – Overall, it is a huge schematic shift for TCU, but one that they actually pretty pretty decently have the athletes for, thanks to the transfers of Johnny Hodges from Navy and Mark Perry from Colorado, two guys who have really folded, uh, filled in key roles in that system. And, and the defense has definitely gotten uh, better mentally over the course of the season, even if they've gotten a little bit banged up physically. Yeah, that's a, that's a really uh, good uh, good summary. I mean, I think, I think what's interesting about this is that um, – this is, you know, I think a lot of the analysis that I've heard from from national guys and some some you know TC Michigan uh, team sites and, and such is that I think people just kind of like stop and they say they see three three five and they're immediately like oh three man front like Michigan's going to eat that up um, and I don't totally disagree with that but I do think it's more nuanced than that right like the three three five isn't just like oh you know let's use less bodies to to stop stop the run we're you know because we would play in the Big Twelve or whatever. Um, it's it's more like you know we're we're going to switch up assignments. We're going to present fronts. You know, TCU doesn't have the most athletic defense. I think uh, I don't know. I think I think that's probably probably fair to say. Not the most recruiting stars right now. You know, it's, it's still a pretty recent um, uh, regime change, obviously in, in Fort Worth. So the the talent's probably not up to where you know Sunny Dykes ultimately wants to get it to. Um, obviously, done a tremendous job this year, but I think that to make up for that that lack of athleticism overall, like putting guys in gaps where uh, the offense does not expect them and not, not really presenting any um, uh, state. They, they don't really present any static targets, you know, in their defensive front um, from, from what I've seen will is something that I think can give Michigan uh, problems in the run game because, you know, the, the big 10 pretty much to a team is a, a either a four, two, five or a four, three base uh, league. And I think it's, you know, this three, three, five will be something they haven't seen yet. Um, I think the question really is like, What's what's the difference? What is the rate at which TCU gets stuffs because they're they're putting guys where Michigan do, doesn't expect them, versus what is the rate that Michigan generates explosive plays because you know they can like you said they can they can get one guy out of a gap and then all of a sudden you know they're relatively like you know having a three man front comes back to bite them and uh, you know Michigan's kind of off the races so I think it's going to be an interesting schematic matchup I am I'm really looking forward to it I don't think it's going to be quite the um, as simple as just like, oh, you know, three-man front, Michigan will blow it out. Um, 
I yeah, think yeah, uh, that's a very, uh, I don't want to sound too harsh, but like, not, not that you're saying this, but the uh, hypothetical fan who's listening to this, who thinks, oh, three down front, clearly they can't stop the run. We're going to push them around. That's a very 2005 attitude. And, uh, and uh, the tight front is, is pretty, um, especially with the emergence of kind of these big dominant nose tackles and the versatility that those guys give you in clogging up the middle. Um, it's going to, it's definitely going to be a different kind of run game and a little bit more flexibility on the back end. I think the biggest thing for TCU is, is not necessarily, um, will you give up the big run, but can you make the big run, you know, 36 yards instead of an 85 yard touchdown? Um, and that, that'll be a really big defining feature of that run matchup. I think Michigan's absolutely going to get theirs. Um, given, like you said, there are some athletic limitations on this defense, um, but I think the the big issue will be can TCU put a ceiling on the 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 big play because that's what Michigan has done so consistently this year has gotten that you know backbreaking devastating huge run, um, and if TCU can try to put a ceiling on that uh, and and give themselves a little bit of a leash to recover and not let that be you know an eighty five yard touchdown that's that's kind of their path to win. So um, on the front, I think is super interesting. I'm also really interested to see those guys, Abe Kamara, you know Mark Perry in pursuit, can they limit the damage as well? So it's kind of like a front end and a back end um, ma- match schematically. That it's really interesting to me. Let me, yeah, I, I think have... some, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Connor. I mean, this is all super cogent. I feel like I learned more from Parker's opening monologue than from the many articles that I've read about this. So kudos to you. Um, my, maybe we shouldn't skip ahead of from the run game. Cause that is going to be obviously the core of Michigan's offense. Uh, something I'm really curious about is, the role of Michigan's tight ends in the passing game uh, against this team, because, you know, TCU favors bigger linebackers that want to come downhill into gaps. Uh, I suspect they're not the most amazing in pass coverage. I'm, I'm really curious what you think about that matchup, because I know that Schoonmaker and Colston Loveland are going to play a big role in this game. And I don't know that TCU's played that many teams that have tight ends of that caliber and passes them that much, but maybe you have a different view of it, Parker. No, I think that's totally fair. Again, I don't want to be as reductive as Michigan is Texas, but better. Um, But Texas, in terms of athleticism, is a very, um, and and maybe form and kind, is a very uh, analogous matchup to what TC is going to see against Michigan. And they have the big tight end. That's not Jaleel Billingsley. It's Jatavian Sanders, his uh, freshman replacement who pushed him off the roster. Um, and, and, and TCU was was more or less able to bottle him up, but that relied on Quinn Ewers being a little ina- inaccurate and getting um, disrupted there. So the, the tight ends definitely worry me. Um, not so much because the, the two linebackers that we're going to talk about being poor in, in pass coverage are Jamoy Hodge and Johnny Hodges. They're kind of like the Bash brothers, just big bodies in there, really, really disruptive, flying to the ball. Um, the way you'll see them get beat is in zone coverage. They'll take a couple steps back and a crossing route, and they just can't, they just can't keep up with it. Um, and so if the tight ends have some speed, there's a potential for them to be disruptive in the middle, but you're going to see the safeties, Bud Clark, uh, Millard Bradford, and, um, Again, Mark Perry, one of our really versatile guy, kind of be in in the seams there in the middle on those tight ends as well to try and mitigate some of that those issues in the pass coverage um, as well. I, I think that well, I, I was going to get to this at some point, but this is as good a time as any. TC has played 11 straight games. They've had to play 10 different game plans over those 11 straight games, uh, all very diverse given what they've seen in the Big 12. And and um, I think that with a couple weeks to prepare they'll certainly be able to make some adjustments they probably couldn't have during the season. Um, So I'm interested to see how the tight ends factor in, knowing that TCU knows that Michigan thinks 
uh, rightfully thinks that the tight end should be involved in this offense. So I'm certain there'll be some differences. TCU's changed a ton of their game plan within a game uh, over the course of the season and kind of over the course of the season as they've been less healthy, as they face different matchups. Um, and so can, can Michigan's tight ends get any sort of horizontal movement, get that step, uh, step beside the, the, those two interior linebackers, I think is going to be really, really uh, important there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, and I think that uh, something that TCU's defense does a really good job of, you know, three, three, five in general is kind of create layers in the defense um, in a way that, you know, doesn't make it, you know, you just don't get simple coverages. You don't get simple alignments against the three, three, five. There's so much going on. And I think like there's redundant redundancies. That's the word is redundancies. There's if I mess up, someone's got my back. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that, that bodes well for, you know, them kind of avoiding the big play on the ground. I think the question is, um, is this a defense that, you know, if, if they're going to be focused on not giving up the big play, you know, which I think, think makes sense as a tactic um, is, you know, Jim Harbaugh is one of the few coaches in America that truly is uh, content to go down the field, like four and a half yards at a time. And I think that that's the type of, I think we see Michigan going on like these long punishing drives where they're really just staying in standard downs that they're keeping ahead of the chains. Um, and they're taking, you know, they're just moving uh, the front itself and, and getting four yards before the linebackers can really make contact. Um, that's when, you know, that, that's what I think it, success looks for uh, for Michigan against this this uh, defense, um, especially because I don't love the matchup of Michigan's receivers who, uh, before the Ohio State game, uh, were pretty lackluster this year uh, versus TCU's corners who are both uh, very good. Um, so I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a running affair. I think we're going to see, Michigan try to load up and and uh, see if TCU can match them, you know, physically. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that'll be, again, you know, like I think we've said here, I don't think it'll be a, a total blowout like some people do. Um, but I think, I think, like you said, Michigan will probably get theirs. And the question is, how much of theirs do they get? I, yeah. yeah I, is it, oh, oh, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I was just um, thinking too, and I was listening to, I was actually listening to the Purple Theory TCU preview because I know very, I actually know nothing about TCU at all. Um, so like, I, I guess I'm sort of curious um, how like Donovan Edwards factors in, and this is a question for anybody, um, honestly, uh, just like how he factors in as the lead back. Um, obviously like, oh, a weird mirror of like what happened last year in like the Ohio state game when like um, Hassan Haskins wasn't healthy. And then Blake Corum like stepped up as the lead guy and, or sorry. Um, yeah, it was, it was the reverse. Um, but what I was trying to say is um, just like, this is the first time we're actually like seeing Edwards be the lead guy. Sorry. That's what I meant last year. Um, Edwards was kind of like, taking a more advanced role when Corum was out and Haskins was also there. So like, this is the first time we're actually seeing like Donovan Edwards, like be a starter in like a huge game. Um, So I'm just curious, like how that factors in, he can obviously catch the ball. I think his hand is better. I don't think he's going to play with the full cast on Um, his hand is better. Um, Like he's pretty he's pretty good after like first contact um and i actually think he's going to be a little bit more interesting than blake quorum would have been in this game even though i do love blake quorum and he should have gone to new york um i'm just kind of curious like what the what the vibe is i guess on donovan edwards being like that lead guy 
Uh, sorry. Um, if I, anyone I think, has thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. That'll, it's, it's, it's nice that we have like automated uh, uh, software that cuts out the awkward silences. Um, I, I think the, I think the question is, is, you know, what, can he be like more of a consistent runner? I think we've seen like yes. him being a very boomer bust, uh, a boomer bust guy. Um, I think that, you know, he definitely took a step forward in the big 10 championship game. I think, you know, obviously the two big plays against uh, Ohio state, you know, um, being that between the tackles runner and like, you know, against a team that might not let him be the home run threat that he really feels comfortable being um, is, is going to be the big question. And I, I think it's a fair one to ask, you know, Blake, Blake Corum would be the perfect back against this team. You know, I think, uh, I think Blake Corum um, is, is basically a, uh, a, a clone of uh, uh, Deuce, uh, Parker, can you give me a, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't even, I don't know that I want to let you finish that sentence, but you were going to say <laughs> Deuce Vaughn from Kansas state. Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely what I was going to say. <laughs> I think Blake Corum has like 40 pounds on Deuce Vaughn, doesn't he? <laughs> he's like better I, you know what? They, they both. Yeah, that's true. He is better, but I think also like, maybe it's just what I'm saying is they're both short, which is very reductionist. <laughs> um, so well, <laughs> well what's I'll, funny I'll is in the, in the big 12 championship game where Kansas state actually won the game was like, Deuce Vaughn was going to get his big run. That's fine. That happened. TCU really put themselves in a bad situation to have to come back at the last minute because Kansas State's backup running back who really hasn't played is this little bowling ball dude. And because TCU was so worn down, they just lined up and ran him and he was physical between the tackles and um, and actually gave them a lot of room and, and gave Deuce Vaughn a breather for um, the end of the game and for overtime there. So I, I think that the physicality between the tackles is really important in, in a running back. And I think that's our... Um, not concerns too big a word with Donovan Edwards. It's an unknown commodity whether Donovan Edwards can be the every down back and and Michigan retain the rushing consistency, that high floor of rushing success. They're um I'll do I'll do some stats because that's what I do, but they're you know, they're eighth in EPA per rush, they're seventh in rushing success rate in the nation. So like they are explosive, but they're also very efficient. Are there any diminishing returns? Are there any changes to that that structure of that offense when you have someone who we don't know can be the every down back? I think that's an open question. I'm inclined to believe that running back success is a lot more dependent on the lineman, the scheme that you employ, the selection of when you choose to run. Um, and so many of those things obviously go in Donovan Edwards' favor. Um, but that is, if if we're just trying to, again, mix, Michigan's an excellent team top to bottom, but we're trying to poke holes and say, where are areas of concern? I think that's one you've got to circle. I think that's totally valid. I mean, I'm pretty bullish on Donovan Edwards as an every down back just because the last few games, uh, I, I mean, against Purdue, he was able to do that. Now, granted, Purdue's not as good as TCU, obviously. But like, I've seen him get better over the course of the year. Uh, on standard downs and just, you know, getting six, seven yards at a time consistently. I'm pretty optimistic. I kind of want to turn Taylor's question around a little bit because if Donovan Edwards is fairly close to 100% and has like only a tiny little wrist brace or whatever on, like we know he's going to be dangerous and will be key for Michigan. I'm really curious about who else is running the ball and how they do. Um, You know, can CJ Stokes contribute? He's had a really up and down year, times where he's looked excellent and times where he's just, you know, uh, been really out of it and made bad decisions. Khalil Mullings, like what role is he going to have in this game? I'm sure we're going to see him in short yardage because now he's spent over a month as a full-time running back, we're told. So like, he's going to be an interesting X factor. And then JJ McCarthy. Like, I think if this is a close game, the deciding factor might be JJ McCarthy's legs. So I honestly think like, and when it comes to Michigan's run game, I'm honestly less focused on Donovan Edwards and more on like who else is going to take some of the burden off of him. 
Yeah, that's absolutely a fair question. I think, you know, we've seen a little bit of Cabal Mullings, um, but CJ Stokes has not been up to the task the last couple games. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a game where you're going to want to, um, you know, I mean, Donovan Edwards is playing with one hand right now, and you can't necessarily, you shouldn't necessarily be uh, counting on him just like down in and down out, um, you know, 100% of the time. So, but I, I think, I think this is a style makes, this is a styles makes fights matchup. Um, I think uh, last question on the defensive side for TCU, Parker. Um, I think I said that the, the matchup I was most concerned about was uh, Michigan's wide receivers versus TCU's corners. I think that's a pretty big matchup and uh, mismatch in favor of TCU. Um, Michigan's receivers are okay, but I think on a, on a title caliber team, which I think we all want this to be, maybe uh, assume this to be, I don't know. Um, it, these are these are definitely the weak spot of the offense and maybe the weak spot of the whole team. Um, what would be the matchup that you are most uh, worried for as a uh, as a TCU fan in uh, in the secondary there? I mean, I mean, uh, one, one I just want to talk up uh, Josh Newton. I think a lot of people have heard Trevis Hodges Tomlinson's name, um, and he's been good for a couple of years. And the issue with TCU the last couple of years has been they've had him being very good on one side, and then just absolute almost walk on caliber at the other cornerback position. And 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 Josh Newton kind of came out of nowhere this season, um, and has been so just like consistently excellent as a second option that. It, there hasn't been a team that's successfully exploited either one of those guys in one-on-one coverage. And that frees up. I mean, that gives you extra men, right? Because you say, Hey, I can put those guys on an Island. I have a safety just keeping an eye on it. And that gives me so much more to either stack the box or play zone coverage underneath. Um, and, and that's been absolutely huge. So the guys I'm interested in, in, in past coverage, I think you'll hear a lot of guys in conflict, Bud Clark um, has, has uh, plays that kind of swing safety role. Um, He's got like 36 tackles, um, but he's been targeted 46 times. He's he's very disruptive there. Four interceptions, four pass breakups. Um, always kind of seems to make the big play at the right time. So he's somebody that I think is going to be really, really solid. If things are going poorly for Michigan, you're hearing Bud Clark's name a lot because they're denying any kind of deep threat on the outside. And Bud Clark is just ball hawking in the middle and is able to be super disruptive. Um, if things are not going as well for TCU in the pass coverage area, it will be that uh, that Mark Perry. He's got a 62.5 PFF grade, which those only mean what they mean, right? They mean somebody watched it, uh, watched the game and 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 put a number on it. But it's it's a general good heuristic. In pass coverage, he's been not as great. He's gotten beaten uh, step for step. So if Michigan can really, uh, in the seams, get um receivers on Mark Perry he's a little bit outmatched there and so that that's the one that I'm worried about is is Perry or Abe Kamara in in pass coverage I think if Michigan gets innovative enough to say all right we're not even going to try to test these cornerbacks we're going to keep things in the middle go to the seams those will be the guys that they'll try to pick on Absolutely. yeah I mean so that was a great like granular answer I'm I'm curious I think Dan also wanted to know just like any matchup on the defense that worries you and that might be the answer but like I'm curious I'm especially curious to hear about the trenches just because like I understand that in the way that TCU runs a three, three, five, keeping the linebackers clean is, is the key. And you don't expect the the three guys, three down guys to hold up that well, but it does feel like that's a pretty serious disadvantage for TCU overall. And I'm just curious, like where you see the really gaping weaknesses in this defense for, for TCU. Yeah. So I, I think that the defensive line on the whole is probably the weakest unit, although they've gotten much better over the course of the season. Jamoy Hodge, uh, sorry, not Jamoy Hodge. Um, uh, why am I doing this to myself? Don't worry, this is I part of the podcast. Like I, I, do, Hodge, I do this with like um, Michigan starting tackles like all the time. Like, so don't no, worry the dude about it. Who does, the dude who does the thing 
Uh, so yeah, d- um, um, Dylan Horton. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I couldn't get the H's. TCU has like 19 people whose last names start with H on that team. Um, Dylan Horton, you know, played played safety in high school and has just moved closer to the ball every year and gotten bigger and has really grown up this season as an edge rusher. TCU is very much going to play. Um, uh, Horton is going to crash. Terrell Cooper is going to play, and 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 the backside linebacker is going to play contain. Um, and we'll see how they approach that with. McCarthy, who's who's certainly mobile, but I, I wouldn't, g- given his stats and how how games go, I w- I wouldn't say he's you know the most dangerous rushing threat or maybe the most important facet. They're they're going to treat him differently than say Dylan Gabriel. I think is fair to say. So um, we'll see how kind of TCU at different times has been really aggressive at the quarterback. They've also been very content to say we're going to play contain and 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 play your game. So interesting to see how they do that. Um, Johnny Hodges really really grown up in those last couple of games. Four pressures in that uh, Kansas state game. Um, and, uh, and I think at the edge position has been really, really good. Dom Williams is a guy he's, he was 17 in camp this summer. Um, freshman came in and TCU had an injury and he had to step up. I don't think anybody expected him to play very much at all, let alone be the, the lead snap taker there. You will not hear his name on the stat sheet at all. His role, he's, you know, 300 plus big dude. His role is, um, collapse the a gaps and he does it so well he will move a double team he is a monster like um i know this is a big 10 podcast and you guys are thinking what like i'm saying this is a big texas kid uh who is who is a force to be reckoned with which came out of nowhere this year like uh just just very impressive so uh, i i think there's limitations there i think depth is going to be the biggest issue because you start looking at guys behind them and it gets very thin very quickly and so if Michigan gets to a positive game state, for instance, if they get that big play early on and they're up one or two scores and they can just lean on that run game, not substitute, not let TCU get the big man a breather, I think that they could just lean on TCU and really pull away. So that's what I'm mostly worried about is game state early and then TCU's depth along the the, the defensive line is very, very poor. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think I think that game state point is is a big one. I mean, that's a, that's a larger point for the entire um you know, for the entire game, not necessarily just the offense-defense matchup. Uh, I think that Michigan is fundamentally, as a team, bullies. Like, we love to be up. Uh, we hate to be down. You could tell just how uncomfortable the team was against Illinois in the only really game where they played significant amounts of time in the second half as, you know, uh, being trailing. Um, this is a team that loves to be up two scores. And, like, it's just – it's like you, you we go up 10, and, and it just feels like the game's over. Because they're so good at bleeding clock and just keeping you out of the rhythm of, of where you want to be. Um, even against really elite offenses like, like Ohio State, they just Ohio State could not get to, you know, feeling comfortable in the second half. Um, so I think that's a big point. And, uh, you know, I think that if, if TCU, TCU winning this game probably relies a lot on um, doing what they've done really all year, which is keeping games close all the way and just finding a way to, uh, to pull it out in the end, um, not to minimize what the, how good TCU is, but I think it's fair to say they've they've certainly like they've they've won their fair share of close games this year for sure. Um, so, uh, with all that said, uh, quickly before we go into the other side of the ball, um, let's uh, let's do a quick ad read, which I am not normally the person to do this. So let's go ahead and just read word for word what this says. Um, so uh, <laughs> the bucket problem is. Brought to you by uh, Homefield Apparel. Uh, promo code Meet at Midfield, um, all one word to get fifteen percent off your first order um, at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, also, as we like to say, you know, if you already ordered one time, 
just use a different email and it's it's not like that big of a deal. You can you can get 15% off again. Um, Connor from Homefield told us that that was okay to say. Um, so, you know, there, I think there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if there's, I think there were some new Michigan, there's some new Michigan stuff for the win over Ohio State. Um, I have not checked out the TCU uh, selection yet on, on homefieldapparel.com. Um, <laughs> Would you be? It's just like, oh uh, yeah, there's some stuff on the website. <laughs> okay, the TCU yeah. stuff is like delightfully horrifying. It's like the scaly weird reptile thing. I love it. They sent me a couple shirts and I wear them around town and I, I don't live in Fort Worth anymore. And people just stare at me like, what the hell is on your shirt, man? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, can I want- we... I, I- I want like a Doak Walker era, like TCU varsity sweater throwback from the forties. That's what I want one day from home field. If you're listening. Okay. To this flag, com- flag on the play. Doak Walker was SMU. I'll let it slide. We're still friends. Oh God. I'm sorry. Another instance of Connor thinking he's smarter than everyone else in the podcast. Cause he, cause he knows a guy from TCU. There's a low hanging. Oh, I was going to say there's a low hanging Michigan joke there, but I'm not going to make it. We make it I don't know what you're talking that. about. Yeah, we're we it's it's listen, we've never been, you know, we've never been uh really a uh, haughty and uh, and confident and and gotten um and gotten owned on here. That's that's not something we've ever done. Um <laughs> the bucket problem is also brought to you by points bet. Uh use code bucket prob, that's B-U-C-K-E-T-P-R-O-B, all one word, to get one hundred percent of your deposit matched up to a thousand dollars. That's up to $1,000 matched in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, though, you must use code BUCKETPROB. That's B-U-C-K-E-T-P-R-O-B, all one word. Um, please gamble responsibly. Set limits, avoid chasing losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it. Use the self-exclusion feature if you want to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Awesome. Um, I think that oh, went pretty Adrian. smoothly. Oh yeah, that's absolutely. Really that's I'm really I'm getting pretty good at the uh, at the disclaimers of, of you know gambling gam- the, for 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 uh, points bet. Um, so uh, TCU offense versus Michigan defense. I would say this is the strength on strength for this matchup. Um, both of these you know are the premier units um, for you know both TCU and Michigan. Um, I guess uh, Parker, if you want to, I think this is probably the part that most Michigan fans know better than the defensive side, just because Max Duggan is a Heisman. Uh, was you know I don't know did he come in it was a runner up or he was second. a Heisman finalist second the, the, yep. the decisive runner up yeah the consensus runner up uh, one oh, was second in every region yeah uh, decisive runner up wins, you know <laughs> yeah absolutely that's going on the resume like if, if that's you know we're using descriptor words on, on our resume it's decisive runner up not just yeah because up. every I mean, because every region of voters knows that Max Duggan is better than C J Stroud that's what I've been saying all along that's correct many people are that's saying so this. true <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually did want to ask you a question, uh, Parker, about Max Duggan, because um, having prepped for the podcast, which I know the show notes don't seem like I did, but I did prep for the podcast. And I was curious, like, I know you are a Max Duggan truther. Um, I would like to know a little bit more about, like, where the vibes were with with Max Duggan before Sunny Dykes and now. Like, I obviously know that there's like a shift. There's like this is an offense that works for him um, and he's got the tools um, to do what he needs to do. He's a four star recruit. Right. Um, so like, I'm just curious, like how, how Max Duggan got here and how everyone collectively among the TCU, like faithful are feeling about Max Duggan right now. And like how long it took for everyone to get to that point. I'm just curious. I am starting a stopwatch on my phone right now to keep myself in check here because my heart overfills with emotion when I talk about Max Duggan because um, Max Duggan 
four-star recruit, like you said, out of Iowa, Council Bluffs, I believe. Um, Gatorade Player of the Year, put up ridiculous numbers in high school, came into TCU at a point where TCU's development pipeline was entirely screwed up in terms of quarterbacks. Um, Alex Delton is a name that that Kansas State fans will remember and maybe nobody else will remember. Uh, He transferred to TCU and was going to start, and he obviously didn't pan out because he's Alex Delton. And Max Duggan was was expecting the red shirt and ended up starting um, and had three years where he had an offense dictated uh, by wanting to win by one and be by being afraid of throwing in the middle of the field. And so instead of like most people do these days, crafting an offense to suit the strengths of your quarterback, what they continue to do is ask Max Duggan to hit his head against the wall over and over and over again, and then throw him under the bus in press conferences when uh, their 19 year old quarterback who, um, wasn't expected to play that year, kept doing poorly when they kept asking him to do things that were poorly. So the attitude has been for years, um, TC was not a quarterback away. That is not the biggest issue. TC's defense over the last three years has been terrible. Um, and Duggan is growing up because that's what happens in college football for most players is they develop over the course of a couple of years. Um, he didn't win the job this year. Everyone thought it was going to be Chandler Morris. Um, uh, and and it, there was really... Everyone thought in spring it was going to be Chandler Morris at the at the quarterback position. Um, Duggan kept competing. There really wasn't a lot of separation. They went into fall with an honest to god true quarterback battle, and um, and Duggan just kept competing. There wasn't a lot of separation. They planned to split reps in the Colorado game. Morris gets hurt. Duggan takes over, and they don't look back. Duggan has uh, three things going for him. One, he's experienced. He's seen a lot of football. He's played a lot of reps. He's played a lot more reps than a lot of people in college football right now. Two, he's got a cannon. Uh, it's not the most accurate cannon, but man, he can get the ball in the area code of Quentin Johnston, which is all you need on those deep throws. He can really throw the ball downfield. Um, and three, he he really is is mobile, and um, and and that that kind of goes with his grittiness, with his leadership. You have to separate out NFL good versus college good. I don't think he's NFL good. I won't I won't sit here and say NFL teams should draft him, but I will say he has had the tools to be a good college quarterback for years. And um, TCU. Finally, with this regime shift, as we'll say it uh, diplomatically, um, decided to embrace the idea that if you play to your player's strengths, they will be good. And and, and one way that I think segues us into talking about specific units, so don't keep rambling, because that's two minutes and 30 seconds on Max Duggan on this Michigan podcast. But um, when things go poorly... Max Duggan throws the ball to Tay Barber. Tay Barber has been there from day one with, with Max Duggan. They've really grown up together. He is kind of his inside man. His when stuff hits the fan, I'm going to find my reliable guy. And um, they're scheming that now. They're they're saying, hey, why don't we just, hey, this this last drive didn't go great. Why don't we start out with a Duggan to Barber connection here and get things going? Um, they're giving him a lot more freedom at the line to, to make reads and to throw over the middle of the field. Um, and it's just great uh, from a college football sense to see a guy battle and develop and, and reach his uh, reach his potential. I, I certainly won't sit here and say he absolutely should have won the Heisman over Caleb Williams, but I am so glad that he was honored. I think it's very very true that uh, very very good that he was honored um, in 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 such a way for the season and for the career that he's had. So I I love it. I mean, you were saying you felt like you were going long on Max Duggan, but we all love Max Duggan. I'm fascinated by him, and honestly, like, yeah. for me, this whole matchup revolves around him because I. You know, you may disagree. I think Michigan top to bottom is enough of a better team than TCU that Michigan should win this game, um, especially like should be winning the trenches on both sides of the ball, I would say. But if TCU wins for me, like it's probably going to be because Max Duggan had just a monster game. And I know he's capable of it. Like that wouldn't be surprising because he's the perfect college quarterback. Like he reminds me of guys like 
I shouldn't invoke this name in this pod, but like, you know, Troy Smith, where it's like, yeah, is he is he the perfect um, pro quarterback? No. Can he absolutely destroy you in college and break your spirit? Yes. And uh, I love Duggan as a player. Like everything I've seen from him this year, like dude's just a gamer, like deep, deep down in his soul. And there's almost there are very few guys in college football that have as much of that dog in him as Max Duggan does. So like to me, it's all about him. Like if he if he puts up like 400 plus yards of total offense, you know, with his legs and his arm, that's how Michigan loses this game. And I could definitely see it happening, even though I hope that it doesn't. My attitude is that um, TC's best case scenario, and I will get into predictions, so I won't linger here, but um, TC's best case scenario is the Illinois game, except they have Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston and can hit home runs. Like that's that's going to be the difference is can they hit the home run ball, which they've been able to do in different situations and which they haven't been able to do in some situations. Um, if they can do that, I mean, I think that's really big. You look at like that Illinois game, Illinois, I, I, I think Michigan played a terrible game. Understandably, Illinois had every opportunity to win it and they couldn't and Michigan prevented them. Illinois long pass play on the day was 18 yards. Um TCU has a lot higher ceiling, I'll say diplomatically, than, than Illinois' pass offense. So absolutely, if Max Duggan can hit a couple home run balls, um, that's that's going to be the difference in, in, in TCU, you know, just having a boring loss um, and TCU having a, a, a very, very fun close game. I, I will just say, like, I totally hear you on the Illinois comparison. I will say that if you get the Michigan team that was sitting like half of its starters and was clearly willing to throw that game, in preparation for Ohio State. If you get that team uh, on Saturday, you guys are going to win by four touchdowns. So I hope that doesn't happen. But but I totally hear you <laughs> on like the the ceiling, all of that. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. The important Again, thing I'm to not remember... trying to be like. Oh, it's so dumb to be like this team is this team, but you know, like TCU is Illinois, but better or whatever. But just saying, like in form and kind, the 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 type of game, the path to victory, much more than the reality of you know the the individual matchups for sure. Yeah, the important thing to remember is that um, any game that Michigan didn't look dominant in, they weren't really trying, and it's not real. Um, and uh, and any game that TCU didn't look great in, uh, you know, was was a hundred percent a reflection of like you know their team and who they're going to be on Saturday. So as long as we get that ironed out, and we're like both on, on a, even understanding with that. Um, you know, M- Michigan is a fan base that loves to uh, make excuses for why we only like beat Maryland by seven points or whatever. Um, no one fit in so well in the SEC, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. Well, look, you know, we've uh, unfortunately, you know, we wouldn't lower our academic standards like that. You know, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm not. I'm not that much of an asshole. Um, so, as far as as far as this matchup goes, I mean, I got to say, you know, I will echo the praise of Max Duggan. I think we've. We've uh we, we've given him quite enough on this podcast, but I, I really how could you not love it? like watching him play in that Big Twelve championship game and just put the team on his back? And I know they didn't really end up coming out you know on the right side of that, partially because um I feel that he was so winded that they didn't feel comfortable running a quarterback sneak there at the end of the game. Um, which I mean, ironically, like you know, I don't know he he was he was such a warrior in that game. Like you got to love him. I kind of liken him a lot to uh like what if Sean Clifford was actually good. Um, you know, like I, I like, I really like Sean Clifford too. Um, I, I have a real soft spot for quarterbacks that put their team on their back like that and are, aren't afraid to take hits. Um, but Max Duggan is like, what if he was, you know, good and, and had a, had an offensive line that, you know, at least could stand there. Um, so I think, I think the big matchup here that I feel that I feel best about, uh, for Michigan is our defensive interior and just defensive, I guess, defensive line in general versus, you know, uh, the TCU offensive line. I don't feel like I feel like TCU's offensive line is pretty good across the board, but 
Um, you know, I feel like Michigan should be able to largely dominate the trenches, um, at least in a run game. And, and then the the matchup I feel, you know, the worst about is just like Max Duggan uh, creating big plays uh, with, with Quinn and Johnson and, uh, and with, you know, um, the other receivers you've mentioned uh, just, 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 I, I feel like, I feel like the path to success for uh, TCU feels a lot like, you know, the down, like Michigan's winning on a down to down basis, but it doesn't matter because TCU is getting the explosives, which Michigan's corners, which have been good, um, are, are want to give up, uh, you know, jump balls, which TCU absolutely loves to throw. So I think that there's some really interesting matchups here. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like Michigan's, Michigan's defense is, a, is, is on the same like quality level as TCU's offense. Um, I do feel like there are matchups that I would feel like, I feel like TCU's offense is not, it, it's a bad matchup for Michigan's defense. Um, that's not to say that they're going to be, you know, scoring 50 points or anything, but I do feel like there's, there's things I would worry about as a, uh, as a Michigan fan. So um, I don't know. I think this is a really, really compelling matchup. I feel, I do feel like Michigan is overall the better team. Um, I'll say, I'll save, you know what I, I'll save my prediction for the end here. Um, I guess, uh, I guess we'll, we'll let the, the guests go first. If we want to move into predictions here, um, Parker, what kind of game do you see this being and what do you see the uh, end result being? Yeah. So, so um, I, I, uh, I think that this is going to be an interesting and frustrating game because the way TCU's offense works is like, they just spam a lot of plays and they run a lot of plays and a lot of them run successful. Like TCU is 65th in offensive success rate, but they're 18th in EPA per play in efficiency. So like it, they, they want to hit home runs. Um, and so I think that, you know, best case scenario for TCU, this becomes a rock fight, except TCU has, you know, the, the, almost literal Hail Mary in their back pocket. Um, I am worried about the negative game state. I am worried about TCU being able to give up the big play. Um, I, I, I've probably talked about this game seven times now between my own podcasts and a couple other I've done and the BetUS show. Um, I believe that Michigan will win this game decisively, but I believe that Jim Harbaugh will be uncomfortable in the fourth quarter, if that makes sense. So I think this could be like a 31-27 game, 31-24 maybe, which is what my, you know, the computer sped out specifically. Um, but TCU has the ball in the fourth quarter, throwing some throwing some deep balls, maybe potentially getting a shot there. So I, I, I think we'll go low scoring here because the second Michigan goes up, I think they'll rely on their physicality. Um and uh, and so I'm projecting this within within a score, single digits, but but one of those games where it feels a little bit, um, it, it it doesn't feel as close as the score was for for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I do want to say, it, does it kind of suck being like the stats guy on Twitter because you kind of can't predict something different than what your your own computers are spitting out? Do you ever do you ever go fully against your spreadsheets? Um, I mean, I I think that it's very important to realize that numbers are just numbers and there's a lot of context like um especially doing the explicit betting stuff on the bet us show it's like well it's going to be a monsoon or hey this guy's not playing and the numbers you know <laughs> don't necessarily take that in well um but generally i just create these as baseline expectations so these aren't gospel or anything and they're wrong often they're right more wrong more than they're wrong but um they are wrong often and so just a baseline and then i can kind of adjust from there so i'm very dumb um, and I have to think about football in a structured way. And these, this is a structured way to think about football. So um, also on the Purple Theory podcast, that's more akin to like me and my co-host Grant having a beer and just t- talking up the frogs. So we we go wild on that show and, and say some crazy things and, and, and fly in the face of the numbers. But um, I will say it has been very personally 
uh, vindicating that the last couple of years, Iowa State fans, Baylor fans, Oklahoma fans have given me all sorts of grief on Twitter for, you know, pointing out flaws in their teams, pointing out what I think is objective reality. And then this season, a lot of TCU fans are very unhappy with me for not having TCU ranked number one in the nation. Um, for not, you know, saying TC is going to win every game by a hundred and all that stuff. So, um, Twitter's just a bad place overall, I think is what we're learning. Um, it is you're, no good, you're yeah. going to get hate on both sides. <laughs> yeah, Dan wouldn't know college... anything about that. Uh, Dan yeah. has no idea. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely don't get people yelling at me when I say that, you know, maybe like what happened after the Michigan state game wasn't like the crime of the century and every single player shouldn't be executed. Um, that never, <laughs> that never happens to me. Uh, right. So yeah, and, I, I, and Texas Tech fans have been very reasonable to Parker, and they should leave him alone because uh, he I, loves. I will them say I've done very Texas well Tech. with like the the one strike block, where I'm like, dude, at this point, I don't need the engagement. I don't need to see this. Bye. Like, I don't even care. Okay, you can tweet the screenshot. Congratulations. I mean. <laughs> I was going to like flex about how I'm not on Twitter, but like I left Twitter precisely because it did become intolerable in so many ways. So like no one knows that better than me. <laughs> yeah. Should we do yeah. like a, like maybe like an hour and a half here on just like, you know, why Twitter is like, like generally a bad platform that like sours you against humanity and makes your brain really bad. Um, I think that's that's what the that's what the followers come. That's what what our right. This is the first <laughs> hour. The next hour is just Twitter I'm, therapy. I've got some <laughs> thoughts on the direction of the stock market. If you guys are interested, we could do a little yeah. segment on that as well. <laughs> Michigan fans, no, you can't make that joke about Michigan fans because okay, they're like, sure. oh, yeah, they're like, oh my they're god, like, yeah, they, they just perked up. Their ears just perked up. They're like, oh wow, my four. Gotta get my legal pad out. Gotta stock markets, old wooden ships, anything that Michigan <laughs> fans want to talk about. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to make it clear that yeah. I don't like any of that shit because I am a, I'm an engineering major. I don't know shit about anything. I've never read a book. So don't worry. I'm not one of those Michigan fans that like knows <laughs> things about World War II. But Dan um, got a 35 on his ACT famously. So I'm just shouting out right now. That whoa, is whoa, not whoa. what I got Honest, on my ACT. Honest to God or super score? No, 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 no. Uh, I will tell you, I'm not going to tell you what I got on my ACT. What I will tell you is that I did not send my ACT score to Michigan. I sent my SAT score to Michigan. So yeah, that was um, a translation of the, uh, that was taking SAT, SAT and converting it into fancy stats, AKA uh, converting it to ACT. <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, so. I would say that my, my post-game win expectancy for the SAT was like 98%. You know? So <laughs> it really, we, we had a lot of bounces go our way, a lot of turnovers. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, the down-to-down success rate was, was a lot better than the final score. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, uh, I guess we'll, we'll all do our, our predictions. Um, uh, we'll try to make the Michigan's predictions uh, a quicker, I guess. Connor, what, what do you think is going to happen in this game? So I, I want to start by saying I do think TCU is a good team and particularly a great team. Like they're not like they're going to keep fighting all game long. I think this game will be very close at half, probably close to tied. Honestly, that's been a pattern for Michigan. Um, the thing, though, is that like no matter how tough you are, We've seen so many good defenses crumble in the second half against this Michigan run game and offensive line in particular. We've seen that happen to Penn State, Ohio State. I just think that it's going to break open in the second half for Michigan. So I'm going to say Michigan 42, TCU 24. I think a lot of those that piling on in that score will come in the fourth quarter. But I think in the end, it will look like a decisive Michigan victory. Taylor? Yeah. So first of all, I do want to just like put a bow in the TCU offense conversation because I actually really like love TCU's offense. I really like Kendra Miller. I really like Tay Barber, actually. Um, you don't use your tight ends. So I'm not that worried. Um, 
but oh buddy oh just wait for jared wiley they're cooking something up it's fine (laughs) i they they tried to ohio state tried to do that too and then he was he was terrible so that was really cool um but i mean jared jared wiley's fine but then um i actually like the offensive line to dan's point earlier is like not necessarily as bad as what it used to be um i really like alana lee and steve avila but the rest of the line especially on the outside um I think if Mike Morris is back and there's like consistent pressure, that should be interesting. But all this to say, I really like their offense. Um, and I also really like Michigan's defense because I am on a Michigan podcast. Um, I don't think that either team has has seen a challenge like the other, um, which I think is fascinating. And I actually think it's a really fun game. Um, and I do think that it is going to be one of those games where fans are going to feel a bit uncomfortable right up to the end i i think it's going to be 30 michigan 35 tcu 31 or just somewhere in that that uncomfy zone um and i would expect tcu's points to actually come in the second half i actually do think that like they'll get really close at like you know somewhere in the fourth quarter and it's going to make me mad and I'm going to start yelling and no one's going to understand why I'm yelling, but it's fine. And then, yeah, then it'll be fine and everything will be better. But I do think TCU puts a challenge in. Um, so it should be fun. Yeah. So I'll say that um, I, I think that I think Michigan wins this game. Um, I think that I think they probably win it by somewhere, somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 24. Um, I just don't, I think that, TCU is, I think TCU is a very good team. Um, I'm not disrespecting them in any way. I think Michigan's a better one. And I do think that, you know, Michigan's offense is something that is going to be a sea change for TCU's kind of seen all season. Um, I think that, you know, Michigan is, has the athletic advantage, has the talent advantage. Um, I think that they're going to be able to get to, you know, that positive gain state that they've been able to get to, you know, all year and, uh, and kind of, and kind of wind this one out. Um, in the way that they like to do. Um, but I do like, I do think like, I think Michigan fans in general are a little bit too, uh, too confident in this one. Like, I think that that's the Twitter, um, at, at least the, the, the tone on Twitter. I don't think this can be a blowout. I think TCU is going to play this, this one, you know, play this team incredibly tough because that's what they are. They're an incredibly tough team. Um, and not just a tough team, a very, very good team that, you know, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I have, I have my opinions about how the big 12 title should be, should be decided. You know, I think they should be big 12 champions um, winning, you know, the, the, in the big 12, you play a round Robin, like you shouldn't have to also play a championship game. That's very stupid. So I think they should be big 12 champions. I think they should be 12 and 0 and, you know, undefeated very annoying. They had to play Kansas state a second time. Um, so with, with all that said, like, you know, I think Michigan wins, I think they eventually win relatively comfortably, but I think that this is going to be a lot more of a fight, um, you know, and it may be even, you know, I, I think it'll be a one score game at the end of the third quarter. Because I think TCU's are a, a tough team that's very good and they're well coached. They're going to be um, they're they're going to throw some some looks at uh, Michigan's running game that we haven't seen all year, and that's going to be frustrating enough for for this team that you know it's it's going to keep the game close for longer than I think most Michigan fans would want. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really excited for it. You know, I think I think both teams feel like uh, I think Michigan fans, you know want to play for a national title but i do think like there's a certain level of like just being so satisfied with this year already um that i think both fan bases are kind of like 
just really like pure excitement for this game. Like I don't think anyone's a lot of Michigan, a lot of Michigan games, even games that I think they're going to win. I, I dread for a long time because it feels like there's more negative things that could happen than positive things. Um, but for this one, I, I really do feel like it's, it's, it's pure upside for both teams. So really excited for this one. Styles make fights. Um, two teams that are, that are really, uh, I don't know, like really uh, very different and it's going to be cool to see. So um, with all that said, I think, I think that's a, that about wraps it up. Um, Parker, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us and, you know, taking time out of uh, your busy schedule as Ohio state's uh, special teams coordinator. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, thanks again. And, um, Parker, where can the I, people find you? Oh, that's so true. Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Well, I, I would plug my Twitter at stats war, but, uh, I'm still locked out. So I'm anti-fragile though. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, if you just search bet us college football show, that'll come up me and Gary and Kyle, uh, they're really good handicappers and I'm just a numbers nerd sitting in the corner, but we talk football, uh, twice a week, every week. And that's a lot of fun. And, um, if you want some TCU perspective, uh, we, we, uh, the purple theory podcast is, um, Available wherever you get podcasts presented by frogs today. There's my, there's my plug for them. Um, but we we've done Michigan's offense from the TCU perspective, Michigan's defense from the TCU perspective, and then a little schedule review and some projections. So um, check, check that out as well. Oh, did you love our schedule? Isn't it so fun? Isn't it so compelling? Is it's, it's a, we played, we played really good teams. All of them were very well, we, good. The best team. We started out very much being like, okay, so Michigan beat UConn by a million, and the spread was this, and the total EPA Excuse was me. this. And we're like, all right, we're just going to talk about bowl like, eligibility. How did you know that UConn beat a bowl game? <laughs> I'm so mad at UConn. They should have won their game. I lost a bet there, but that's a different story. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we, we talked about the schedule and everything and just tried to do a little bit of, hey, as an outsider, what do we think about Michigan generally? Um, and so hopefully that was generally edifying. And I'm sure as I, um, have a beer tomorrow night and uh, think about the game and get nervous. I'll tweet a bunch of stats as well. So uh, that'll be, that'll be fun to check out as uh, also. Honestly, Parker, it's really been a pleasure, man. Uh, you took, you took our ridiculous Michigan arrogance uh, TM uh, in stride. <laughs> and we appreciate that. <laughs> well, no, I really, I really enjoyed this. And I'll say one of my best friends in the entire world is uh, is a huge Michigan guy. So I'm used to it. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> never a you, good thing. you saying that you saying that like, Oh, uh, you saying that you're used to it rather than saying like, oh, Michigan fans are really okay. It kind of says it all. Like That's so I make we, this this podcast makes no bones about how insufferable we are as, you know, as, as people and a, and a fan base. So um, thanks for putting up with us. Absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, I guess that's it. And we're going to I'm not very good at ending podcasts like Aces. So this is where we're going to cut it off. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. You're, you're yeah. Seeing things. That's a great <laughs> history PhD.